Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back. We're live at Supex, the Startup Expo with Whitney Sales. She's a general partner at Accelerprise. Whitney, welcome to the show. Everyone. Excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing, selfishly, I'm really fascinated about. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and maybe cover your background, kind of where you grew up, where you went to school, and yeah. maybe some career highlights. Sure. Um, so I'm one of the few people who can say I am a, a Cali native. Uh, oh, so rare. I am born and raised <laughs> in Sacramento, actually. Nice. Um, State capital. Both my parents actually worked for government. Okay. Um, but we're both innovators in their own ecosystems, which is pretty fun. Sure. Uh, and then I went down to school at UCSD uh, okay. down in San Diego. What did you take? Uh, sociology, interestingly enough. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Soci- what made you want to take that? Uh, well, I'm going to filter my, my real reason. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, in reality, it was something I enjoyed quite a bit. My, okay. uh, I had taken a class when I was in high school in sociology, and it was during 9-11. Oh, wow. Um, and it was taught by a woman who was Afghani. Um, and so she ended up breaking up the course uh, into two groups and arguing what we had learned in class uh, on what the policy that was being enacted during that wow. period of time. It was an incredible class that sure, I, can imagine. I just learned a lot and drove my passion around it. But uh, cool. then this, it was just a very fun subject. I okay. love social dynamics, so. And, it, and I guess it, it plays very out much very plays well. You're doing yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. So, how did you get to Accelerize? So, uh, I didn't take a traditional VC route okay. um, for most people. I don't have a finance background. Um, I am not a founder, actually. Well, I am in my own route, but or in my own right. But I, uh, I worked at early stage companies. My first okay. job out of college, um, I was referred to a company called LoopNet um, okay. through a friend. Sure. I actually can, I can claim I've only interviewed for one job in my life and I've, ever, I've <laughs> and never actually it. had to have a resume. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, I, one of my friends had re- referred me to a job. Okay, um, very cool. And I met my, my manager, Brian, amazing human being and incredible leader, Brian Smith, okay. uh, cool. who was leading sales at LoopNet, about three in their pre-IPO. Under 100 people, um, like I want to say closer to 50 than 100. Sure. Uh, and uh, Brian took me under his wing and mentored me for nice. uh, about and about three months into the job, I was selected to launch a new product for LoopNet. Okay, cool. Uh, which really set me on this trajectory trajectory of uh, launching new products. And we hit our annual target within uh, within three months. Wow, congrats. That's yeah. huge, actually. Like, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to do. So, it was, it was really fun. I learned about diving into analytics. I learned a lot about marketing. I learned about, sure. a lot about sales, putting setting data a sales strategy, training other people, um, ended up launching another product for LoopNet, um, and then just kept finding new products okay. uh, and new teams sure. to join um, in, in primarily B2B SaaS. I did have a stint in consumer electronics at one point in time, okay. but Interesting. it was just new products are what I loved. Okay. Uh, and so, and then my last job actually was a company called... Um, Demand base really enjoyed it, but I had an op- a random opportunity uh, to pitch in front of Richard Branson with a bunch of entrepreneurs. And Very I had cool. always thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but I actually didn't have a product to pitch at that time. Okay. So I came back, quit my job, um, and started 
kind of doing some customer interviews in the ecosystem. Okay. Uh, I ended up spinning that up into a B2B SaaS consultancy, doing what I love, launching products, working with founders. Very cool. Uh, doing it on a larger scale. Sure. Uh, and that's where I actually met my business partner, Mike. Um, okay. And so one of the companies that I mentored, um, a company, People Data Labs, um, I worked with them for a year, and Mike and I really got to know each other uh, during that process and um, found a good dynamic and fit. Very cool. And then when the first partnership came available, Mike brought me in. So long story, but Very cool. uh, working early stage with founders has been my passion my entire career. That's awesome. And so it made a really great fit and, and venture at our stage. Sure. So what do you guys do at Accelerate? So uh, we're a B2B SaaS accelerator and seed fund. Okay. Um, and we specifically focus on go-to-market with founders. So okay. that's hence where my background and sure. the, the consulting Smart, practice yeah. that I built out, the sales method kind of comes in. We've rolled that up under our... Uh, our programming, which is one of the areas I lead. Um, so we invest in companies and then we help accelerate them over a four month period of time. Okay. Um, and that includes everything from marketing, demand generation, sales, um, to fundraising. So how does that work? Like you actually have a sales team that helps or you hire a sales team or, or how does that work? No. So we're working directly with the founders and okay. mentoring them around identifying who their, what their ICP looks like, okay. uh, what are the channels they should be approaching, what are, okay. what's the positioning they should be doing. So um, as a founder, one of the things I, I find a lot of founders want to do is pass off sales very quickly. Sure. When yeah, okay. That's a, why I asked, right? Yeah. yeah. As a CEO, founder selling is actually one of you want to come, become one of your core competencies. It, it, you really need to know how to sell well. Sure. Um, so you basically give them the tools. Yeah. Okay. You're yeah. like behind the scenes. And then it's like, you guys go. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it this morning in, uh, in the talk is that the fundraising process itself is even a sales process. So it's hiring. Sure. Uh, so is convincing your team you need to pivot, all yeah. of these things. There's a sales process behind all of it. So if you have that core competency and really build it out, those are some of the strongest founders we see. So you say you also give them some seed money. What does that mean to you? Because seed, depending on where you go in the country, it's kind of different. So yep. what does that range of money look like for you guys? So it's it's uh, it's early capital. So okay. we're usually first check in. Okay. Um, so we, uh, we invest in companies at a percent of equity for... Uh, for cash, okay, um, and it's a, typically a discounted equity because we're sure. accelerate. It's a traditional accelerator and accelerating the company. Okay, so um, we consider uh, we're not necessarily falling under a seed or pre-seed round. We're usually okay. more kind of an angel check, but it's okay. Um, but we also have a seed uh, pre-seed fund. Okay, and then how do you decide where a company fits, like a pre-seed or? So uh, companies are. Uh, Pre-seed uh, and seed stage fund uh, is broken up into, uh, it's about 50% companies we just see in general okay. um, that don't necessarily fit to go into the accelerator. And then uh, companies that have gone through the accelerator, um, you know, the top percentile that have investors who are, and we invest alongside great investors, we're not choosing um, okay. to invest, to lead that round because there'd be some negative markets in the room with that. No, so, fair enough. So we follow. Okay. So you say you give them like a four month, you help them kind of accelerate their business. Yep. Give us some other things that you help with in that four months. So uh, during that four months, uh, so we have, we do cohorts of 10 companies. Okay. Um, so we don't do large programs by any means. And we, we actually customize the programming quite a bit to each company. So okay. oh, um, we have our speakers and mentors who come in, but we have office hours and we really pick and choose who gets the office hours based off of their needs. Okay. Um, and we're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with every team around their go-to-market as well as their fundraising. So That's huge, actually. Yeah. We, we're in it with them. Yeah. Um, and then we actually stay with those companies through their Series A. Okay. So in the critical time of um, pre-early stage, pre-scale, basically, sure. uh, we're in it with them. 
Okay. Uh, and so there's that four-month program of really getting them off the ground and getting them going. And then there's a just kind of ongoing advisory-style okay. relationship. We call it a family, and I think most sure. of our, our founders would actually agree with that. That's so awesome. it's a really close-knit group. So why should people choose an accelerator? Because I think, like, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, like, for people that don't know about accelerators, like, why should they pick one? Yeah, so uh, a lot of accelerators offer different things. Sure. So um, there's uh, the traditional YCs out there who yeah. have you know 2,000 companies. They're basically getting dropped into 2,000 companies. So if you're selling to those companies, there's the added benefit of that. Um, there are uh, accelerators that help with technology. They're incubators, depending on how sure. you want to name it, Yeah. Uh, who actually help you with technology and product. Um, sure. There's consumer-oriented accelerators. There's B2B SaaS-oriented accelerators like ourselves. Um, and the reason a, a founder would join an accelerator is to help them get to market faster. Sure. So uh, opening up a network yeah. um, of mentors, advisors, like I mentioned, opening up uh, a network of fundraising uh, or funders, uh, so VCs, angels, institutionals, um, helping open up customers uh, that they could potentially sell into, like I mentioned around sure. YC. Um, so uh, for, for us, um, one of the reasons that people choose us is as product technical founders okay. um, learning how to sell. Sure. Uh, so they, they don't have that experience. They realize that it's something they need to learn learn how to do. Um, and so we, we'll help them with that, that as well as opening up the doors for, for fundraising. We have incredible fundraising stats. No, that's awesome. So yeah. I'm curious, what types of things do you teach people on how to sell? Because clear, like it's really hard for yes. kind of, especially technical people. Yes. Um, so how do you like kind of teach them or what advice do you give people that are looking to learn that side of things? Yeah, so uh, The Lean Startup's actually a great book for yeah. helping you build out your product, but there's this place where it kind of drops off and it's the sales piece. So how do you transition your customer discovery process into a sales process, basically? Sure. Uh, and in the early days, when you, if you've done customer discovery well um, and started to flush out what your product should look like, you, you should have identified as well what your ICP should look sure. like, so your ideal customer profile should look like. And so in that process... Um, what we're actually working with them on is really defining that in the early days. Okay. Um, there's a great saying that it takes 10 customers to get to 100 because every yeah. customer is an individual use case that can be repeated across another 10. Sure. So um, in the early days, if you can define what that group looks like very clearly, yeah. uh, you can actually drive growth a lot faster because sure. the group of customers is usually watching one another. And so you can drive right. a viral it's conversation. It's less like selling, right? Yeah. So yeah. you really have to penetrate a network of people. But if you have a really okay. strong product market fit, and you um, penetrate that network, you can hit them in yeah, all angles on all the ways they learn. Friends. Yeah, yeah. so um, there's, a, there's a way to do it effectively. And okay. that's, it's a methodology I've developed over years, um, and it, it works very well. So sure. we, take them, we take them through that process. No, very cool. So you guys have a bunch of different locations across yep. North America. Yep. Why do you think it's important to have, be in different geographical locations? And... Obviously, some are outside of the valley. So why yep. do you think it's important to be outside of the valley? Yeah, so uh, we originally started in San Francisco right. five years ago. Um, our anniversary is actually coming up. Um, nice, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, it's That's really awesome. exciting. Uh, so we started at the Valley or in, in San Francisco um, five years ago, and about two years ago we opened up an office in New York. Okay. And we're actually launching another office in Toronto, and we're right. looking at additional ecosystems, but it takes a while to seed yeah, them before you can sure. launch it. Sure. Um, hence why we're here. Yep. Fair uh, enough. So uh, one of the things uh, that we're looking at, the reason that we're actually looking at this is um, the concentration in Silicon Valley is starting to dilute quite a bit, and I think sure. it's a great thing. As someone who's been in San Francisco now for 14 sure. years, I'm really happy about it. <laughs> um, sorry, investors, but that's my opinion. Um, well, fair enough. 
And so part of the reason has to, you have to look at is the capital efficiency of businesses in San Francisco. It's a very high risk market sure. to start your company. It's very information and education rich for startups. So I do sure. actually recommend a stint in, in, okay. um, in San Francisco over a period of time uh, to network, uh, build your business, like get to know the business and some of the hacks that you can get in the Valley. Okay. It's definitely a, a kind of a place you should go so and like visit. like a year, quarter? Doesn't I mean, matter. even a couple months would get okay. you there. Okay. Um, it's okay. just getting you plugged in and really understanding it. It's a different sure. culture and a different For vibe. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's weird but, when you're driving down the freeway and it's like a browser, uh, like on the oh yeah, billboard, you're like, tech. what? Firefox. Yeah, <laughs> it's all tech yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you can kind of get slapped in the face yeah. with it. But yeah. uh, the interesting thing that's happening in the market is it's starting to get more and more distributed. Sure. So the reason we're building out offices in other locations is we need to be on the grounds where our founders are. Right. Um, okay. And the capital efficiency outside of San Francisco is, is just so much better. There's, you basically get a discount on capital. Sure. Um, and more and more VCs um, of the larger branding VCs, especially, are and the institutionals are more comfortable with it. Okay. Um, and sure. so they're they're more willing to visit different locations. So we've seen uh, growth in a number of ecosystems, and we're starting to see them mature a little bit more. Um, sure. And so it's one of the things we're actually watching quite a bit is where do we actually need to build our next location? Where's the next hub sure. um, outside of, of the valley where the next new startups are going to be coming? And so we're looking for areas where there's some larger mid-market companies, yeah. some large exits, some large funding rounds, um, a good network of, of mentors that can actually nurture these startups who yeah. have gone through it before. It's a really critical piece. Sure. Um, and so those are, those are just some of the things we're looking for, as well as being a good fit for B2B. No, fair. Yeah, because... It's interesting because there's so much cool stuff happening outside of the valley. Oh my God, yes. That I think a lot of people just don't realize it because it's not publicized as yeah. much. Yeah. Right? And so, or they have like an office in Silicon Valley and it's like a mailing address or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they actually don't, and they like go. Cause, well, they go to fundraise there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's where the VCs are, yeah. but a lot of the VCs are more comfortable, you know, going to visit their, their for their board meeting or something like sure. that. Okay. Um, yeah. But, a lot of the companies go, they start the company there, they fundraise, and then they leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, there's such a discount and such a lower risk outside of yeah. the Valley. And if your customers aren't in San Francisco, if you're not selling to other tech companies, like yeah. if you're not SaaS for SaaS, yeah. it probably makes sense for you to go be where your customers are anyway. Sure. You're, it's a faster adoption cycle, faster product cycle. It's just a lot better. No, that makes sense. So what other mistakes or advice would you give founders or startups that you see kind of all the time happen that you're just like, you guys stop doing this, this thing or a few things. Yeah. Uh, so quick tips. One, um, founders learn how to sell. Like yeah, if you're okay. the CEO and business leader of the organization, you need to take on the core sales responsibility okay. or the core sales is one of your responsibilities. The revenue stream. Sure. Um, and learn it and learn how to set someone up for success okay. doing as little any things as low as like sending LinkedIn requests and emails, learn how to do it well before okay. you bring on an SDR to do it. Because if you don't take the time to learn that competency uh, when you go and work through doing it with VCs or you go and work through trying to do it for BD or something like that, right? It's you're not going to have that skill set. You really need to take the time to learn it and develop it if you okay. don't have it in place. Um, so take the time and walk through all the nitty gritty of sales and really know it and understand it because sure. it's going to play out a lot in everything you do. Sure. Um, two. Make sure you're ready to fundraise and you understand why you're fundraising, not just because you want capital. Um, okay, interesting. So uh, 
one of the things we see is a lot of founders come in. There's a lot of stories that are out there around this, like miraculous round that came together in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of misinformation. Sure. Honestly. Uh, it's but it someone took six who's, months to come around yeah. in two weeks? Or they did a lot of campaigning. <laughs> yeah, or okay. it's a serial entrepreneur who's already had three, right. four huge exits. Sure. Um, so... It, it's easy to fundraise. Of course, the VCs want to want to back them. So, um, as a first time founder, you really need to take the time to understand um, okay. how venture math works sure. and fundraising works. Okay. Um, and really talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who have done it successfully. Sure. Uh, to learn best practices and make sure you're really ready for it before going out because. You really get about three, three to six months. Um, once once you pass the three month mark, you're a little stale. Yeah, and the fair. ecosystem. So you have a short period of time to do it. Okay. And uh, when once you say you're actively fundraising and just start taking a bunch of meetings, if you don't aren't strategic about that, it can really slow you down and, and burn your pro burn the process and end up wasting a ton of time for you. Sure. Interesting. So you mentioned like venture, like math and and fun, like how you calculate all that stuff, like. What advice do you give people, or is there like a good resource that they can get? Um, to talk Secrets about of Sandhill Road is, yes. is, I just read it. I actually it just and I had like, Scott on the show. Oh, great. And I read his book. Fantastic. Yes. Book. Like, yeah. So, yeah, he covers all that. I was curious to see what you'd say. Um, I, yeah. I just have been referring our founders to it, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing is for founders to actually understand venture math. Sure. Um, to understand how uh, LPs are assessing the VC. Right. Um, I see a lot of founders are, who go out to raise too small of a round, and there's sure. actually not enough allocation and equity for a VC, so it immediately rules them out. Uh, and coming okay. back to that conversation, say, actually, I'm raising more than that, is a really yeah. hard thing to do, um, because sure. it just shows a, a little bit of ignorance, honestly, sure. and that you didn't do you didn't do your research. So, is there like a specific? I know depending on what you're trying to build, yep. obviously like you probably want more money if it's more complicated and there's more years of research or whatever, but is there kind of like a minimum you should potentially look to raise or is it really just depend on what you're trying to do? So it's important to understand if you're raising an angel round or an institutional okay. round. Okay. Um, so an angel round, it may be a syndicate, it may be an angel fund, it may be some like friends and family angel round. Sure. So uh, and that's usually going to be, I mean, you can, I, it's going to be under 750. I, I would say five, a 500 is usually a good sure. size for that. But, okay. um, I did have someone recently just say that it was like, she raised 600 from a single angel, but most of the okay. checks you see are in the 50 to okay. 100, 100 K range. Okay. Sure. Um, you see some 200s, but it, it's, it's not it's likely rare. to be, get it all from one angel. Yeah. Fair. Um, and then, uh, for VCs, it depends on your valuation or your, your valuation you're looking to go for, the VC is going to put you at. Sure. on how much you can raise. Okay. Um, and so that's a little bit of the, the art of um, valuations. Sure. But uh, certain VCs, if you're not raising over $2 million, they're not even going to look yeah. at you. Fair enough. It's just it, that, that's the size check they're writing. Sure. Um, and so in the, and they're gonna, they may want to invest alongside another investor. Right. Um, there's usually an active and a passive angel or a pass, uh, active and a passive investor right. a, lot of, a lot of the times in the seed stage these days. Sure. Um, and so just understanding who likes to work together, how they like to work together, and what values they invest in, which a lot of that information is public these days. You can find yeah. it on Crunchbase, Signalfire, a lot of different platforms, sure. best dollar. No, that's that's interesting. Is there any other advice you'd give people? We're kind of coming to the end, so maybe like if there's something else you can Around, you see all the time uh, yeah, or other advice um, that you give uh, founders? or Something to leave people with. Uh, pay attention to your capital efficiency and yeah. know your numbers. Um if you understand the math of your own business, uh, you're going to set yourself up much more to build a successful business as well as uh, fundraise. 
So sure. uh, it's just understanding the math of your own business is critically important. Um, and then knowing how you can tweak things and what has to go right in order uh, for things to go right. Yeah, fair and enough. And what could go wrong and have contingencies around that because it's going to make you put you in a much better place. Sure, because you never know who you're talking to, right? And if you yes. can't like instantly tell somebody what they ask, like the number, it they're almost like turned off. And fair enough. Yeah. Like if you, you're just like, uh, I have no if idea. You, if you don't yeah. know the number, um, you need to know why you don't have that number and okay. how you're going to get to the answer. Fair Which enough. I've done, I, I've been in, uh, when I was running sales teams, yeah. I, I, I've been in those roles with, you know, where VP of sales got brought into the, mm, sure, to, sure. To the VC. Uh, and I, several times I was like, I don't have that ex exact answer, but here's why I don't have that answer. Here's how I'm going to go yeah. about solving it. And here's how fair. long it's going to take me. Okay. Um, so how and, long it's going to take me is important. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, that was, that was something that, you know, worked very well. No, for me. Very cool. So, we're coming to the end, so where can people get more information about what you guys are doing? Yes, yeah, so we, uh, you can find us at Accelerprise.bc, okay. um, and then you can find me. My last name is actually Sales, um, born and raised, so it's Whitney Sales. Um, you're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Whitney at Accelerprise.bc. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of the day to be on the yeah. show. And Of course. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.